and welcome to Girls Gone Canon, episode 38. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. You can find me on the internet as Lies and Arbor on Twitter, Tumblr, and www.liesandarborgold.com. And I'm Eliana, another one of your hosts, and perhaps you know me as Glass Table Girl from the A Song of Ice and Fire subreddit or the Maester Monthly podcast or as Arithmetric over on Twitter. We're here. It's Theon 4 and 5. Theon 4. Theon 5. It's all happening. It's Theon IVNV. IVV. <laughs> IVV. IVV. That's like me saying, I, baby, at Theon, because that is what we're going to say this whole episode. Yeah. Oh my god. This is a rough one, man. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, Theon, what are you doing? Don't do that. That's bad. Like, very, very bad. Don't do that. Uh, Theon, stop. I think I, I, I've i talked about that now. I've said Theon, stop yeah. our conversations because I, I wish he would stop. And he does stop, but not Not yet. by choice, per se. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Well, we don't have any emails or tweets and notes this week. We're going to keep it moving. Uh, with this shorter month, we've got a lot of content to produce still. Lots going on. We have a really exciting guest next week. Should we announce her? We should. Yes, we are going to be recording with Crow Food's daughter from the Disputed Lands YouTube channel. She's fantastic. We have uh, actually been in conversation with her before. Isn't that right, Chloe? Yes, we have. We all... Uh... We both did a awesome live stream with LML, Lucifer Means Lightbringer. You can check that out on YouTube. It was about parenting in A Song of Ice and Fire. It was his Between Two Weirwoods series. Very cool. Really good time. Really great content creators in the community. So we will drop a link to check her out. But we are so excited to record with her soon. She is a wealth of knowledge and lore about the Ironborn. She is, and she's also now um, a fellow moderator of mine on the A Song of Ice and Fire subreddit. Aw, welcome to the Mod Guard. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You, that Those who wear the white cloak. I don't think we, I, I think we used to always go, we mix our metaphors, it's really bad. I think we mostly go with, you know, wearing the chain. Oh, Maesters. of the Citadel. We, yeah, we serve, yeah, exactly. It, we do. I, you know, if we ever want to go into it, much later on down the line, and you can just actually check out my spiel on the Knight's Cast. I, I stand that scene. I hardcore defend that cinematic choice. I watched it last night. Let's keep talking and not talk about this anymore. Yeah. Let's get into our lightning round, right. actually, instead of talking about the bad show. In Arya 8, after Theon 3, as Tywin Lannister's host is leaving Harrenhal, Arya cashes in on another death from her fairy godmother, Jacques and Hagar. Weiss. Wee. Uh, Catelyn, five. After a series of wins for Team Stark, Catelyn comes home to River Run, where she learns more about her dying father than she probably would <laughs> like to know. Is that how it is for all of us? Daenerys, three. Daenerys finds no help in Karth, so she must seek Pri the Warlock. <sighs> Tyrion, nine. The royal family sees Marcella off to Doran at the docks. And then a riot ensues. Davos, too. Davos learns Melisandre shares Stannis' bed. Stannis feels remorse at killing his brother. Davos watches Melisandre birth a shadow. <laughs> John 5. Corrin Halfhand arrives with men from the Shadow Tower and plans to lead a party into Skirling Pass. He chooses Jon Snow as one of his party members. 
Tyrion 10. Tyrion squashes Cersei's plans at sending Tom and Rosby. Varys and Tyrion find a place for Shay at court. Tyrion and Varys discuss Stannis' less-than-conventional tactics. Catelyn 6. Cleos Frey returns, and as the battle is won, Catelyn reflects on how she has always done her duty. Yeah, you have, Mama. Love you. Brand 6. Dreaming through Summer's eyes, Summer tries to escape the godswood, but falls. Bran awakens from the fall to Theon, forcing him to surrender the castle to the Ironborn. Arya 9. Arya enters service under Bruce Bolton after convincing Jockin to help her free the northern prisoners in Harrenhal. Daenerys 4. Daenerys sees many visions in the House of the Undying, and Drogon comes to her rescue from Pyatpri. Tyrion 11. Tyrion takes a wildfire inventory after dispatching his men to burn the King's Wood. Theon 4. Desperate to prove himself, Theon hunts for the princes of Winterfell and their entourage, Mira, Jojen, Osha, and Hodor. Instead of listening to Maester Lewin's plea for mercy, he takes counsel from Reek when the sun goes down. Counsel that contributes to a very quick rise and perhaps an even faster fall. And so begins Theon 4, with Theon suddenly waking, afraid that he heard something? But... What is there? He's just a bed with Kyra in Lord Eddard Stark's bed. Get out of there. He's apparently really into the fact that uh, Kyra's just a quote-unquote common tavern wench, and he's bedding her in Lord Eddard Stark's bed. This is Theon's king. And I mean, in this essay, I want to talk about how... <laughs> how Theon's treatment of woman is very progressive in Westeros. No, uh, <laughs> Theon knows Ned as this cold, closed-off man, right, who betrayed his wife by having a bastard with an undisclosed woman. So here Theon is really, you know, giving it to Ned, fucking Kyra in his bed, and, you know, honorable Ned, oh. Of course, we know Ned's not really cold, he loved his family, and he isn't dishonorable, but, you know, kind of leads me to think. It's interesting the way that he's seen on the outside, and we'll talk about that a little, but I think... What I see in this scene is how Theon just makes this great foil for John. Apparently Theon makes a great foil for like almost every character, as we discussed throughout the rest of this episode. But here I think it's so interesting like how John and Theon obviously wanted Winterfell, but it really plays out differently for them and how being an outsider in Winterfell shaped them a little differently. Like Theon grew up continuing to covet that lordship. Eddard Stark had because he saw himself as within the system, right? Because he's the only living son left of his Greyjoy father. And so when Theon gets a chance for freedom, what he does is he sets himself up to be that lord instead and a prince later on. And he ends up reinforcing just the worst parts of this feudal system because all he does is he takes and he takes and he just feels entitled to all of it. Like everyone should be grateful to him while he just does a terrible job. And he just wants to reap all the benefits of this system for himself as soon as he gets the chance. Whereas our other outsider in Winterfell, John, instead tries to flee from that system and he feels that it's given him nothing and gets outside of it by going to the wall because, you know, he can't win. So why bother trying? Theon wants the instant gratification of what being this lord could offer him, what being the prince of Winterfell 
could do for him and his social standing with his family and his standing in general and also getting back at, you know, the family that took him and his confused feelings there. It is a very interesting contrast with John, who, you know, doesn't want Winterfell and puts it aside and says it's not for me. It's not my place. Theon uh, wonders then if he had heard him heard something, but he tells himself it's nothing. After all, he has guards posted everywhere, and also apparently Wex is also here in the room at the foot of the bed, and he is a sound sleeper. And uh, uh, that's weird. Wex is just there, like I don't know, a dog on the floor, right at the foot of your bed. Like, is he on the bed, like, or is also, he on the floor? Give him his own fucking right? room. You have a whole castle. You have several people that just vacated rooms in this castle. Like, give him a pillow. I don't That's know. True. Uh, and I guess a lot of it, too, has to do with, like, Theon doesn't trust right now, right? Like, he's, like, super untrusting. He doesn't want to let anyone out of his sight that, like, has info on him. Because in the next chapter, we see how he starts to feel about Reek, for example. But look at where Theon is now compared to, you know, like in a, in a Dance of Dragons compared to A Clash of Kings. Come on, buddy. I don't know. He... Yeah. Theon looks out over Winterfell and he just doesn't hear anything. He thinks that he should be drunk with joy because, you know, he did just take Winterfell with only 30 men, which is pretty impressive, even if it was on easy mode at the time. Yeah. I mean, if he really wanted to be impressive, he could have done it with 20 good men. Oh my god. What about 20 bad men? This is like a... Yeah, that's true. This is an actual thing and it's gonna actually come into play in the next chapter, which, you know, never, again, never gets old for me. <sighs> Anyway, turns out it's actually, it is nothing. The problem is that it's nothing, because it's what Theon isn't hearing. The wolves. Where are they? They're quiet. Theon tells Urzin, who is the guard at the door, to go check on the wolves. And then he has Wex go check on Bran and his little brother, which is how it's phrased. And, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if Theon doesn't always remember Rickon's name. I mean, wait, there's another one? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. You know, the other Stark. Theon thinks he has too few men to keep the castle with, and he hopes that Asha will come. Wax returns to signal that Bran and Rickon are not in their beds. Urzin returns right after that, and the wolves are gone as well. Theon told himself he must be as cold and deliberate as Lord Eddard. Rouse the, ca Rouse the castle, he said. Herd them out into the yard. Everyone, we'll see who's missing and have Lauren make a round of the gates. Wax with me. And of course, like in this passage, Theon is again thinking of Ned. Here he's calling him Lord Eddard, but he called him Ned other times. As being cold, as Chloe was saying earlier, Theon is still trying to pattern so much of his own ruling on how Ned ruled Winterfell, and obviously he's absolutely failing, because a lot of it is that Theon only saw that face of Lord Stark, the Lord Stark that Theon saw was the man out there beheading Garrod, and that's when he got to see Ned ruling, whereas we have that dichotomy that Bran shows us between Lord Stark versus father in that first Bran chapter. And of course we see in some of the other children's chapters, the Stark children's chapters, how they were taught to rule by Ned. Like, Rob was, of course, invited to be at Ned's side during meetings and to learn how to rule, but Theon might not have necessarily had that opportunity because, you know, he was like a whole hostage ward thing and all. And while he absorbed some of ruling as commanding, uh, and I think part of the way that he saw commanding um, 
is based on his image of Ned being his monster at Pike. But we don't see any of the other lessons that Ned's kids got from him, like get to know your men, set aside time to get to know them and like be nice to them and invite them to eat with you no matter what station they are. And Dan just treats them all as like small and beneath him. Yeah, and there's also the idea that Ned went south and he didn't return. And that's kind of like a weak thing and Theon seeing that is weak in him as well. So I wonder if all those things that Theon did see, which obviously did not include the lessons that Sansa, Bran, Arya, Rob, everyone learned. Uh, Rickon, I guess. He didn't really learn anything. He's like a fetus. But... <laughs> Oops. Yeah. It's a bummer because we continue to see this. Like, every single thing on every single one of these pages is just him treating people like shit. He thinks of the other Ironborn. He thinks had Stig made it to Deepwood Mott was Asha on her way, which I think it kind of shows almost like very Mad King vibes, right? Like that paranoia creeping in and all of his actions that he takes because of that paranoia throughout these pages. Yeah, I love that. It's You can see the sword of Damocles begin to hang above Theon's yes. head in these chapters, and he's like, what is, what is this feeling? Uh, yeah. And so Theon rouses the people of Winterfell He's like, everybody, wake the fuck up. We're going to all go in the yard. And turns out they're all sobbing. And Theon's all like, I'll give them a reason to sob. That rape that happened when we took Winterfell, that wasn't my fault. I even had the men who did it whipped because I'm such a great guy. And obviously it was Micken and Benfred's own fault and their mouths that got them killed at my command and by me and like chill i mean chill i had to give someone to the drowned god what did they fucking want from me he's like i've been so gentle with them that's not a good look either like i've treated them <laughs> so kind they should be thanking me which god. that actually comes up we'll get to that in a minute he thinks that too but uh, this was a scene constantly a scene the bad show did this scene kind of well uh <laughs> it was sad very sad it made me very emotional and that's kind of effed up like he just straight up like he's just a brat he's a squid brat he's being a squid oh, brat he's an absolute yeah. brat in these oh, what what, what? Oh, i forgot the name again larvae a paralarvae baby paralarvae yeah he's being such a paralarvae oh, here very youthful <laughs> Indeed. It, like, and it's it totally shows how inexperienced he is or doesn't want to. And, like, Theon doesn't understand leadership. We can see that so clearly in these chapters. He thinks it's just ordering people around. And, of course, part of what a good leader does is that they take responsibility for their actions. And not just their actions, but the actions of the men and the people everyone that you command you are responsible for their well-being yeah. ned understood that and that accountability and responsibility was part of what made ned a good leader i mean he failed at the end and a lot of things went to shit but he was trying to watch out for children which apparently theon doesn't do as we find out throughout these two chapters but yeah. definitely very different approaches <laughs> that's that's a way to put it chloe different yeah i'm just trying to uh give some commentary different approaches definitely 
like preferring green to blue. It's like the equivalent. It's like if they had the same approach, but they don't. They literally have very different ones. So Erzin brings Theon to the Hunter's Gate, which is by the kennels and kitchens, to see the guards that he has posted there, Drennan and Squint, who are da 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 dead. Drennan <laughs> was one of those who had raped Pala, the girl from earlier, so she has a name. That's exciting. That doesn't happen for us usually. And yeah. his breeches are down on his corpse. Drennan seems to have been killed as he was about to stick it in the woman, as Theon says. Squint died by the direwolves tearing him apart. That's what you get. That's that's, that's what you get. Bitches. Yeah. I kind of like that his name was Squint, though. We get, I don't know, it's funny, like, we get some information about Winterfell's defenses, uh, that there are two walls and a moat in between them. Maybe people knew this already, I don't know. Theon only had the inner walls guarded in case, you know, the whole castle turned on him. Why would they ever do that? Nah. Never. And he realizes that for the escape to have happened, the wolves had to have been freed by, like, someone else. Someone else had to have been... Helping Osha and the Stark Boys. Yeah, bitch. The North remembers. <laughs> Ur- We're just trying to get the fuck out. Erzin <laughs> mentions that Squint ought to have sounded his horn, which, of course, Theon gives a play-by-play on why that wouldn't have happened, followed by immediate internal regret at not having put the wolves down. But they really can't try to track the boys in the dark. So Theon heads down toward the yard, where people are corralled. Many are half-dressed, naked, they didn't have any time to get dressed. All of them look guilty to Theon, and turns out there are six people missing. It's the Starks, and remember, the Reeds are there too! Azor, Hodor, and Osha, of course, but the Reeds! Yeah, I mean, technically in the north, these are, like, Mira's the heiress to Greywater Watch. I mean, she's going to be the Lady of Greywater Watch next, so uh, they're Is not- Is it not Jojen? No, it's not. Oh, fascinating. She's introduced as the heir to House Reed, oh, so... Good. Yeah. Good for her. Good for them. I know. You know why, right? Yes, I do know why. Dornish secession. <laughs> um, Anyways. So that's a big deal, though. That's, that's like, a house that is a bannerman to House Stark gone missing with them. Like, okay, so we kind of see what happened. Interestingly enough, Dion has remembered Osha's name and thinks, just like Asha, that their names are similar, that she's unnatural. Which I guess, uh... David and Dan thought that too. They're like, we can't have two names that would say. I mean, okay, they were right. They were right. That would have been confusing on television. We have like Bran, Benjamin, Brandon, Robert, Robin, Robert, Bran, Bran. I'm just saying, Bran and Bran's pretty close. Yeah, it is usually a rule though in most television shows not to have characters whose names begin with the same letter. So. You may as well have just like named all your characters. Josh or Chad. Anyways, Theon's in luck. None of the horses are missing. So that means that all of the people that are gone are on foot. Theon was confident that he'd soon have them back in his hands. Bran and Rickon have fled, he told the castle folk, watching their eyes. Who knows where they've gone? No one answered. They could not have escaped without help, Theon went on, without food, clothing, weapons. He had locked away every sword and axe in Winterfell, but no doubt some had been hidden from him. I'll have the names of all those who aided him, all those who turned a blind eye. The only sound was the wind. 
Come first light, I mean to bring them back. He hooked his thumbs through his sword belt. I need huntsmen. Who wants a nice warm wolfskin to see them through the winter? Gage? The cook had always greeted him cheerfully when he returned from the to ask whether he'd brought anything choice for the table, but he had nothing to say now. Theon walked back the way he had come, searching their faces for the least sign of guilty knowledge. The wild is no place for a cripple, and Rickon, young as he is, how long will he last out there? Nan, think how frightened he must be. The old woman had nattered at him for ten years, telling her endless stories, but now she gaped at him as if he were some stranger. I might have killed every man of you and given your woman to my soldiers for their pleasure, but instead, I protected you. Is this the thanks you offer? Oh my god. Joseph, who'd groomed his horses, Farlin, who'd taught him all he knew of hounds, Barth, the brewer's wife, who had been his first. Not one of them would meet his eyes. They hate me, he realized. Reek stepped close. Strip off their skins, he urged, his thick lips glistening. Lord Bolton, he used to say, a naked man has few secrets, but a flayed man's got none. The flayed man was the sigil of House Bolton, Theon knew. Ages passed. Certain of their lords had gone so far as to cloak themselves in the skins of dead enemies. A number of Starks had ended thus. Supposedly, all that had stopped a thousand years ago when the Boltons had bent their knees to Winterfell. Or so they say, but old ways die hard, as well I know. There will be no flaying in the north so long as I rule in Winterfell, Theon said loudly. I am your only protection against the likes of him, he wanted to scream. He could not be that blatant, but perhaps some were clever enough to take the lesson. Owie, lots to unpack in there, huh? That's a loaded-ass so passage. Much. Ooh, these Theon chapters have so much foreshadowing. They're, so, they're very dense chapters. We get our first showing of Ramsay here as Reek, right? And we know this because he talks about what Lord Bolton would do. Very heavy-handed uh, with that hinting. This, of course, avalanches us with that House Bolton exposition, and we get this one line from Theon that kills me. I am your only protection against the likes of him, he wanted to scream. Um, Theon's like the reason why Reek transforms into Ramsay and a bunch of people get hurt, though, right? Like, the people would have been safe from him if he hadn't taken Winterfell. Yeah, Theon is that fool who's like, yeah, let's bring the Trojan horse in inside. It's going to be great. What could happen? Yeah, what's the worst that could happen? The worst? Obviously nothing. Literally yeah. the worst. Because I will protect you somehow. Oh, man. Yeah, actually the worst, though. The worst could happen. And I think there's something just interesting about the way this passage is written. Also, the way that Theon is trying to get that information out of everyone. Because it, it reminds me of Arianne trying all those different tactics when people are visiting her tower trying to get that information and like Theon asks them he offers them rewards in exchange for information or going with them on the hunt he threatens them he tries to plea for the safety of the boys like you gotta do it for them and somehow he like tries to guilt them into doing it like this is the thanks you give me like dog you just came in here and you like you should have led with that like yeah <laughs> <laughs> like wow that was really you really think you did good Theon. and he's like wow they all hate me he realized i'm like this is the time that you found out you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar quote sansa stark 
You catch more flies with honey than you do killing them. Yeah, and raping their people. I mean, actually, theoretically, that is a way to catch flies if you don't mind that they're dead. Yeah, I mean, why would you want a dead fly? Anyways, Theon, he knows who's in the castle, so he begins to order each of them to assist him in his hunt, according to their ability. Farlin, who handles the hounds, asked why he would want to help hunt his trueborn lords, to which Theon responds, he is now Farlin's trueborn lord. Oh my god. Farlin agrees, but his eyes just, like, blaze with defiance. And then Theon decides that Maester Lewin, who knows nothing of hunting, will help in the hunt. And then one of the phrase is like, I want to help hunt him. I want to help hunt them. Of course they do. Fucking of, course you, of course you fucking psychopaths. call it I do. It doesn't even matter which one it is. I honestly don't know which one it is. Yeah, I mean, one of them is like less bad than the other, but... That's true. This must be Little Walder, probably. Yeah, I, I like how it does pull the sheet off of that, right? Like, yes, the phrase were always bad. They weren't going to be that much different than the rest of the phrase. Like, it wasn't like there's all of a sudden these wonder phrase. Like, every fray in every fucking story that you hear is just not usually good. Well, not usually. Herwin, we right? Herwin Frey and Oliver. That's it, though. And there was, like, one more. And Rosalind seems like, okay. Yeah, that's true. I'll give those three, but that's it. Like, Theon wasn't the baddest of bad guys is what we're about to learn, right? Like, we're going to show this now by having Ramsay yeah. on the page. Like, George is like, aha, so yes, he's awful. But have you tried Ramsay? <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, did Theon? Is, are we supposed to say that Theon had a point? Like, yes, he wasn't as bad as that other guy. Like, shit. like here's the point, and like now it's made. Oh my god. Which is literally what Theon is doing. He's like, I'm gonna put Black Lauren in charge of Winterfell right now, and uh, this is gonna make everyone hope for my success. Yeah, like, realistically, that, that, that makes them hate you more. Like, that's, you did the wrong thing. Just say it. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah, it's like, he's, like, comparing himself to what? Black Lauren and Ramsay, like, he's literally doing the least here, okay? He's doing the bare fucking minimum. Wants cookies. He's out there like, I'm a regular, that. like, you know, Baylor the Blessed, or like Aegon the Conqueror, you know, look at me, I'm Iron King whore out here, I'm the shit. And it's like, no, yeah. you're you're not. You're not. He's like, trying to do the absolute minimum. Anyway, they're gonna go on this hunt, everyone's decked out in, I don't know, gear, and they're going to the Hunter's Gate, which is the gate that you know, they escaped from. Brand and Theon now thinks of how he wants to save Brand with an arrow. He's hoping he's not gonna have to take Brand's life with one. I just want to call out how in the last chapter or the last episode, Theon's all like remembering how he saved Brand with an arrow, and then he what tries to strike the drink from that one dude's hand. I forgot his name now, and accidentally kills him. So you know, what if Rob was right? Jesus Christ! <laughs> That's where you were taking that one. But if Rob was right, that was a, that was a risky ass move, Theon, and it paid off, I guess, there. But the rest of these risky ass moves do not. Well, it pays off, especially now here, because you know he's just whining about how Rob didn't trust me and I saved Bran's life. Like Theon, any decent person would have done that. You had a weapon, and you knew what was right or wrong in this situation. You're not like fucking Buddha. Sit down. We see Theon think the huge mastiffs sniffing at the back of their hunt might be helpful in a fight against direwolves, especially with all of the other dogs around. Which is like, no, Theon, those aren't, you, you don't get to use them. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that um, portends, of course, that reversal later on in Theon's storyline. Though it also makes me think of how even this early in the story, we're getting that set up for a fight between dogs and wolves because apparently in <sighs> Joanna Robinson from Vanity Fair like did that analysis of the Lion and the Rose episode, that script that George R. R. Martin wrote, and there was a note from George R. R. Martin that like, hey, we're gonna have like this set up with the wolves because it's foreshadowing of how like we're gonna have a huge fight between hounds and wolves later on so here's that foreshadowing within the books but maybe they were saying he was saying that about a hound and a wolf fighting i guess but like the hound he would lose against all those wolves chloe like a symbolic wolf like maybe it's him and i don't know john or sansa or are, I'm trying to do tinfoil. You never let me do tinfoil. You always do the tinfoil. I'm sorry. You do the tinfoil. No, foil. it's over now. The tinfoil's ruined. I'm sorry. We've crinkled it all up. <laughs> Theon wonders if they headed toward Sir Roderick, who should be heading to Torrens Square per Theon's plan. But the path leads north, northwest. It makes Theon wonder if they could be heading towards Deepwood, where Asha is. He thinks that he would rather have the boys dead. He thinks it's better to be seen as cruel than foolish. <sighs> yeah, no. Yeah, it's literally not. None of this is right. Like, he puts Black Lauren in charge, which makes the people distrust him more. And it's it's all I can think of to think it's better to rule through love than fear. Very Sansa, you know, just here's the mind killer, man. It's Sansa, it's Ned, like... Mm-hmm. Because I think that people see that as one of the main arguments of A Song of Ice and Fire, especially with the consequences that come from that. And maybe it's because I just recently finished um, listening to, what was it, Eddard 12 from Nauticast and have Jeff and Emmett speaking into my ear right now. <laughs> but that that idea that a lot of people took away from the storyline that Ned was foolish for for what he did and we're seeing that that's wrong because Theon's thinking that and look at what fucking happens to him apparently that wasn't the right play either yeah agreed Maester Lewin then asks Theon like could you please be merciful towards Bran and Rickon they are after all your foster brothers he uses the term foster brothers and Theon says that the only Stark that was ever brotherly towards me is Rob and besides, I guess, like, even though he, internally we know that he's thinking that he would rather Bran and Rickon be dead for some fucking reason, they're more valuable to him alive than dead anyway. And Lewin tries to push his luck a little more. He's like, also, the reeds, you know, they're pretty important too. Uh, please keep them alive. Also, you know, their father, Howlin, holds a pretty strategic position down in Moat Mo- Kaelin. Yeah, and don't get me started on his wife, Gianna. Yeah. Gianna also is also strategic. Strategic. But Theon I love that Theon's like, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, what did you know what else did you not think about? Like everything, apparently, in this whole plan. And Ugh. he hadn't thought about the reads at all strategically. He just like looked at Mira every now and then and wondered whether or not she was a virgin. Bro, stay away from her. Yeah. Get the fuck away from my daughter. Me holding a knife. But actually though. Actually though, <sighs> Mira Mira, I wonder if Mira could probably defend herself. Anyway, Lewin then 
he really he's really trying to go for all of it, and he's like, also Hodor, please spare Hodor. He doesn't. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, sure, fine, fine. We'll spare Hodor also as long as he doesn't try to fight back. He's like, but don't you dare ask about Osha. Yeah, she's a woman, first off. She's a woman. She sounds like my fucking sister. And I hate my sister. No, he doesn't say that. But Lewin's like, all right, fine. He's like, I did the most that I could. And I guess Lewin has no personal ties to Osha anyway. Also, like, Theon, I hate my sister. Theon's dick. But. (laughs) Theon's dick. (laughs) Uh, so Lewin of course gives in he's like okay good you did enough thank you for your mercy there's this great passage mercy thought Theon as Lewin dropped back there's a bloody trap too much and they call you weak too little and you're monstrous yet the maester had given him good counsel he knew his father thought only in terms of conquest but what good was it to take a kingdom if you could not hold it force and fear could only carry you so far a pity Ned Stark had taken his daughters south. Elsewise, Theon could have tightened his grip on Winterfell by marrying one of them. Sansa was a pretty little thing, too, and by now likely even ripe for betting. If she was a thousand <gasps> leagues away in the clutches of the Lannisters, a shame. So something interesting, as interesting as gross as it is here. Um, God, first off, yeah, Theon this, the mirror thing, you, you gotta not. You gotta just not. But... He has to stop. On an actual, in an intellectual level, uh... This is interesting because this is literally what happens, but with Ramsay and Arya. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's what happens with Ramsay and Arya. And of course, like, what Theon recognizes about Sansa is what everyone else in the kingdom has fucking recognized about Sansa. It's really upsetting because it's like, leave her pussy alone. Indeed. Leave her pussy and her claim alone. Also, like, you really want to root for Theon, right, through all of this, but... He says this stuff, and he's like, it's like, look at how he treats Wax and those in his service. Like, even how he treats Reek, like, and uses his counsel as like, aha, like, okay, whatever, and doesn't really open his eyes about it. I see a lot mm-hmm. of, and maybe it's this whole duality thing, but there's a lot of beauty in the beast in Theon, in that he's the beast. He's a cursed prince, right? He's been cursed. He used to treat people like shit, and he wasn't, you know, the best of people. And he gets a curse placed on him and Winterfell is basically frozen in time because of him. And he's the ghost of Winterfell and he, you know, has to wander around until the curse is lifted. Yeah, I love that comparison. And I think it's making me think now of uh, Ramsay slash Reek as as the evil, not evil. It's making me think of Reek slash Ramsay as the witch who comes first in disguise. Yep. And then reveals herself. Yeah, and, and curses Theon, except turns out the witch is also bad. Yeah, absolutely. A mix of that and, like, a good mix of Gaston, like, in a yeah. big dash of Psycho. I'm also feeling, when you said that, how we're, like, rooting for Theon to, like, come to his fucking senses and stop, I realize we're Asha. We are all Asha, who's like, Theon, you're an idiot, please stop. Right, like, my son. Yeah, my baby brother. But I want to stop being an asshole. Anyway, so then they find the carcass of a young elk that's clearly been eaten by wolves, but interestingly, no meat has been taken for the humans. They can tell there was no butchering. And Theon then questions, like, are we on the right trail? Because that's fucking dumb. They should have taken some steaks from this elk for the <laughs> for the trip. And then by the river, Wex makes an observation. They're about to follow a trail. That the wolves may have taken, 
but Max is like, wait, 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 hold on. There's only paw prints here on the side of the river. And by this, I mean Wex is pointing at these things. And Hodor and the humans, if they had emerged from the river, they would have left footprints because Hodor's fucking big and heavy, especially with Bran on his back. So that means that the wolves and the humans have split up for a bit, leading them all astray. Yeah, really smart tactic. And it's interesting because in times of need, the Starks sending their wolves away, think of Arya with uh, Nymeria, of course, and telling her she has mm-hmm. to go and hitting her with rocks to get her to leave. And of course, probably the time Sansa needed her wolf most, unfortunately, she loses her wolf. Uh, Rob with Grey Wind, not bringing Grey Wind and how he really obviously should have had him there. So interesting that the times that the Starks need them and sending them away. Theon makes another threat. Uh, he he It's about being led astray and if it was intentional. But really, we know Theon's just pissed because he got outsmarted by a seven-year-old and a three-year-old and, oh, you know, two women. That's pretty insulting to him. Yeah, it is. And Hodor. And Hodor. A very insulting, yes. Eventually, they must meet back up. So their search party splits up to continue on one path and find where the departure happened. A little farther, Theon told himself, past that oak, over that rise, past the next bend of the stream, we'll find something there. He pressed on long after he knew he should turn back, a growing sense of anxiety gnawing at his belly. A. This passage reminds me of, if you give a mouse a cookie, keeps just try to keep going. But of course, like, B, this entire, I love this one line, because I feel like it's Theon's entire storyline in A Clash of Kings encapsulated just pushing too far when you could just turn back. Right? And like, these two chapters are exactly that. It's watching Theon press on when he should just turn back, and he's like hoping to find a reward or something at the end, or I don't know, people to not hate him, and I'm like, I don't know why you would think this path leads there. He's looking for but love. Familial love. He is looking love. for love. But love is a poison. It'll kill you all the same. It's still in the, it's in the same book. And yeah, I mean, Tyrion's chapters are as well in this book, likely juxtaposed with Theon's as well. And I just love watching this lead up happen next to this river because sure, it's a small river. It's called like fucking, I don't know, Acorn Water or is the name of this river, I think? Mm. Or it's it's close by to it. They're in the Wolfswood. And it's just a perfect setting for what's happening in Theon's storyline because I think that this is Theon crossing the Rubicon. It's his point of no return. While he doesn't cross this actual river, he does so metaphorically because if you've heard that phrase to cross the Rubicon, you know, you probably have heard it. And if you're unfamiliar, it talks about when Julius Caesar crossed that Rubicon River from what was at the time Gaul into Italy on his way into Rome, and he knowingly broke the law, led to a whole civil war, but in the end, like, Caesar Caesar won. He, he became the dictator over all of Rome. And Theon, in many ways, is not nearly as successful as Caesar, who I guess, again, sure, things don't end super well for Julius Caesar either, but whatever. Whatever. It's just good for a time. And the story here, though, like, with Theon has us setting, it's been setting all of this up since the previous book to understand that, like, killing children is bad. It's, like, absolutely damning for you. And so for Theon to decide to kill those Miller's boys and their mother, he's threatening his soul and he's burning his bridges with Winterfell and crossing that Rubicon all because he was afraid to appear 
week. Yeah, once more, like like we said, why should the Ironborns follow you? Why should the North follow you, Theon? Like, I mean, none of these people should follow you. Like, you haven't earned it. And it's very damning. It's past the point of no return. Like, it reminds me in that way of Quentin's plot with the whole turning back thing. And like, we should go back. We should go back. Every part of this plot is saying, Theon, turn back. And he doesn't. Like, Theon, you're not meant for this. But he won't. Mm -mm. They are close to giving up on finding the kids. And it's suggested the wolves may have swam upstream. Which, of course, would be crazy for wolves to do for a long time. A human, if being hunted, could do it, but these are direwolves, which also that line, a human could do it if hunted. Yeah, Ramsey. but also there's that. Also, these could be wolves with a human inside of them-ish. Mm. Mm. Maybe that's where Ned Stark is. <laughs> well, no, Ned Stark's in a pigeon. Oh, little pigeon. a river. Yes, he's in little pigeon, remember? I knew it. He's going to team up with Barristan. That's the hammer and the anvil. Oh my god, he teams up with Barristan. Ugh, so Barristan doesn't go back to Westeros with Aegon. No, he doesn't. He goes back with Lil Pigeon, a.k.a. Ned. Oh my god, and then they retake the throne. Brilliant. And then Ned simultaneously wargs into a flock of pigeons, and then it's the scene from the birds that I've never actually watched. Anyways. <laughs> Theon regrets not skinning the wolves. Uh, but but at this time, he fears the Starks reaching a village more than anything. If they reach a village, the people of the North would never deny Ned Stark's sons, Rob's brothers. They'd have mounts to speed them on their way. Food. Men would fight for the honor of protecting them. The whole bloody North would rally around them. And of course we know he's not wrong. Look at the Manderleys playing the long game, or the Vale with Sansa in the Winds of Winter eventually. I mean, look at fake Arya that we're going to get to. The North yeah. definitely or remembers. Stannis trying to set John up, even. He's like, I have a Stark-ish thing here. Yeah. I mean, Theon's not wrong. He is apt in understanding that part of the politicking. Yeah. <laughs> if nothing else. And then we get some exposition about the Freys, who are, I guess, the enemies of the Reeds, and who, because the Freys say some really mean shit about the Critic Men. We won't find them, the Frey boy said stubbornly, not so long as the Frog Eaters are with them. Mudmen are sneaks. They won't fight like decent folks. They skulk and use poison arrows. You never see them, but they see you. Those who go into the bogs after them get lost, never come out. Their houses move. Even the castles like Greywater Watch. He glanced nervously at Greenery that encircled them on all sides. They might be out there right now, listening to everything we say. Arlen laughed to show what he thought of that notion. My dogs would smell anything in them bushes. Be all over them before you could break wind, boy. Frog eaters don't smell like men, Frey insisted. They have a boggy stink like frogs and trees. And scummy water, moss grows under their arms in place of hair, and they can live with nothing to eat but mud and breathe swamp water. Theon was about to tell him what he ought to do with his wet nurse's fable when Maester Lewin spoke up. The histories say the Cranach men grew close to the children of the forest in the days when the green seers tried to bring the hammer of the waters down upon the neck. It may be that they have secret knowledge. 
Suddenly, the woods seemed a deal darker than it had a moment before, as if a cloud had passed before the sun. It was one thing to have some fool boy spouting folly, but maesters were supposed to be wise. I love the parallels between the Dornish and the Cranach men, because it kind of sounds a little bit how Westeros views the Dornish as well, right? Uh, and I really think it's a great little knowledge drop from Lewin. The reeds pretty much are hinted at being descended from the Marsh Kings, right? Uh, the Cranach men are supposed to be descended from that king. And I also, it's interesting because Lewin doesn't condone heresy usually, right? Like he's very anti-magic and here he is talking about the children of the forest and the Cranach men mating pretty much. So what's the truth, Lewin? I'm pretty sure he's spouting stories he usually warns against just to like buy time, right? I think there's that, yeah. And I mean, Lewin doesn't believe in them, but that doesn't mean he didn't study them. Like, I'm sure there's a part of them that, mm -hmm. that maybe, like, still kind of hoped, right? So, of course, he would know all of these these magical stories about the Children of the Force and the Cranach Men. They return to the stream and they go to hunt for a while until it begins to get dark again, which means they've just, like, been out here all day. If it's dark outside, this is going to be a fruitless hunt, as well as a very dangerous one, but Theon doesn't want to go back to Winterfell with nothing to show for it because he's going to feel like a fool, and he's especially scared that if something like that happens, his father and Asha will laugh at him, which of course is just like Quentin, fearing Doran's disapproval. Yes, there's a lot of Quentin in these chapters. I'm so glad that you're seeing it too. His path was starting to lead darker before he died as well, right? With Pentos. So I mean, it's a similar kind of work there. Yeah, it definitely is. And like, I don't know, this entire chapter is so interesting in the context also of how Theon's story ends in Dance. And we're obviously going to talk about what happens in Dance. Um, and we're going to talk about this here because like, this is a reread, so you already know what happens. But like, Theon gets to be the hunter here, tracking the prisoners who have escaped from Winterfell, fleeing to safety. But later on in Dance... He becomes the hunted as part of Ramsay's games, but also he finds himself in this exact position at well as well at the end of the story. Like he's escaped Winterfell with Jane Poole and must make their way to safety, running from some other cruel young lord who's styled himself the ruler of Winterfell, so that Theon can save a quote unquote Stark. Yeah, complete flip, complete one eighty. But yeah, so this Reek guy has some interesting stuff to say about, you know This Reek guy. Yeah. About how the Starks are probably heading to the Umbers. But first they need to stay the night somewhere, like this old mill right here. So Theon had slept with the miller's wife, perhaps more than once, and Reek insists that he has a feeling the boys might be here, wink wink, wink wink, with his lips that look like worms <laughs> fucking. Which is the same way Joffrey was described, we've talked about before. Away from the rest, Reek shows Theon he knows, a silver wolf's head brooch. Theon sends the rest of the men away and tells him he will follow, and Lewin calls back a reminder for mercy Theon had promised him. Theon replies, mercy was for before he had been angry. It is better to be oh feared than laughed at. Such Tywin Lannister vibes. Yeah, very much so. I know we had those Ares vibes and now those Tywin vibes, just bad ruler vibes, mm -hmm. I guess. This is a great place to talk kind of about how Theon got this from his dad, right? Like, Balin was the older brother akin to Robert in this situation who treated Victorian kind of similarly, right? Uh, we get that when we hear that, uh, what's that passage? The, the Victorian Greyjoy mistrusted laughter. The sound of it always left him with the uneasy feeling he was the butt of some jape he didn't understand. 
In fact, Victorian kind of has a lot of Stannis parallels. There's even like that whole passage where he talks about how Balin was a great man, but I will do what he could not. Uh, And he, you know, is traveling with a red priest now. So a lot going on there. Both of these guys fought for their older brothers in war and felt cast down by their older brothers. So this is kind of the environment Theon Stott comes from. And he's trying to impress his dad, as we know, and trying to really find his place. He thinks this is the right way to do that. But it's not. Too bad his dad, yeah, it's not. And plus his dad dies anyway. What was the point? Exactly, no, what's no, the I'm point? Joking. There was a point, but... There, I mean, obviously there was a point. Theon overcompensating and trying so hard to prove himself as an ironborn with a goalpost that he's never going to be able to catch. But... He took the wrong lesson away, which is that it is better to be feared than laughed at because he was just so desperate for that power. And when he couldn't find the love that he desired from Winterfell, we see that progression throughout this chapter, really. He's all like, man, they should be fucking grateful. I was so good to them. He's looking for love in the wrong ocean every time. Yeah. And he just gives it up at the end. He's like, ah, fuck love. Mm. I will inspire fear then. Well... Let's get our lightning round before we get to Theon 5. Yep, where we have the rest of this mess to continue with. But, John 6, John faces a moral crisis. Kill or kiss? He proves himself to be Ned Stark's blood after all. Sansa 4. Sansa becomes a woman and spends a lot of time with some super drunk, quote-unquote, role models. John 7. Corin passes his judgment on John, And then Bran teaches John to see in a dream a ranger sacrifices himself to get others to safety Tyrion 12 Tyrion learns Sansa's brothers have died Cersei tries to punish Tyrion for his scheming against her Catelyn 7 Catelyn mourns the loss of her sons Uh, kept company by Brienne of Tarth she later talks to captive Jaime Lannister and calls upon Brienne's sword that's interesting we learned about Brandon Rickon's quote unquote deaths yeah Right, right there. I love watching, like, from a distance yeah. like this. Beyond five. Having taken what is not rightfully his, get out of there, Wax wakes Theon and Reek, announcing a visitor. Quietly. Asha Greyjoy. After discussing stylistic differences in conquering lands that are not theirs, Theon refuses to leave Winterfell, and once Asha leaves, he pays Reek to find men to defend his new castle. The sky was a gloom of cloud, the woods dead and frozen. Roots grabbed at Theon's feet as he ran, and bare branches lashed his face, leaving thin stripes of blood across his cheeks. He crashed through heedless, breathless, icicles flying to pieces before him. Mercy, he sobbed. From behind came a shuddering howl that curdled his blood. Mercy, mercy! When he glanced back over his shoulder, he saw them coming. Great wolves, the size of horses with the heads of small children. Oh, mercy, mercy! Blood dripped from their mouths, pitch as black, burning holes in the snow where it fell. Every stride brought them closer. Theon tried to run faster, but his legs would not obey. The trees all had faces, and they were laughing at him, laughing, and the howl came again. He could smell the hot breath of the beasts behind him, a stink of brimstone and corruption. They're dead, dead. I saw them killed, he tried to shout. I saw their heads dipped in tar, but when he opened his mouth, only a moan emerged, and then something touched him, and he whirled, shouting. Wow, this chapter starts like a horror film. 
It does. Holy crap. This is horrific. Like, I love it. But there's so much. And this dream is like an exact immediate. Like, this is literally what happens to him. All of this happens. Like, later. Like, this is just him running in the woods and just, holy crap. Like, we're going to come back to this for sure. Yeah. Also, that is, it's just such a perfect portrayal of, like, being chased in a dream. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, you can just feel them, and like suddenly you're like, "Fuck, I can't run." Who knows why that ever happens in dreams? I'm sure someone has an actual explanation. He is literally but... drowning in guilt right now in his dreams. Like his subconscious is just burying him. Well, because he said he would give mercy, and he's pleading. Like literally, the last chapter ends up with him being like, "Nah, they don't get mercy," and now he wants it for himself. Yes, he's begging for it. He <coughs> wakes up, stumbling for his dagger to wax mute with a candle in his room. Reek accompanies Wax and tells Theon his sisters arrived, in a manner of speaking. Theon pushed off the blankets. The fire had burned down to embers. Wax hot water. He could not let Asha see him disheveled and soaked with sweat. Wolves with children's faces. He shivered. Closed the shutters. The bedchamber felt as cold as the dream forest had been. Oh, so the symbolism. Wolves with children's faces. Is that not the same image that uh, Melisandre sees for Bran as well? I think so, yes. It's got some interesting abilities in this chapter. Yeah, especially when we just think about how Bran taught Jon how to see in his last little like mm. dream with him. And how Theon keeps hearing things in the wind and stuff. Anyway, we learned that Theon's been actually having a bunch of these dreams and nightmares and cold sweats for days. This was never what I wanted, he told them as he worked. They gave me no choice. The corpses made no answer, but only grew colder and heavier. As they do. It goes from, they shouldn't have made me angry, to they gave me no choice. Mercy. This isn't what I wanted. It's, it's sad. It's terrifying and sad. The night before, he dreamt of fucking the miller's wife. Again, I guess, and... This time she has teeth in her vagina and her mouth, both ends, and she's gnawing off his neck and his manhood. Turns out Theon had ordered her executed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She begged for mercy as he watched her die. Like, this is a lot of bit fucked up. Like, no one ever mentions these dreams, I feel like. I, they do, but yeah, not a lot of people focus on these dreams. And these are some fucked up dreams. Like, she has teeth in her vag. Like, what? what is happening in this guilty dream? Oh, I'm about to go off about what's happening in this guilty dream. We're about to talk about Vagina Dentata. Take it away, babe. Welcome to Girls Gone Canon. Yeah, so, of course, like, this is a horrifying idea, but, like, obviously it's appeared in other places. There's that movie, Teeth, but, which, of course, comes comes out after A Clash of Kings, but Martin still isn't the first person to channel this idea or this horror, because... The idea of vaginal teeth actually manifests in several cultures, in their mythology, and their stories, like, all around the world. And for it to be such a pervasive idea shows us something. There's something in the human psyche, like, that the vagina dentata represents and inspires. And a lot of people talk about how it's that fear, of course, of female sexuality, and how that could lead to castration. Uh, there are, of course, a lot of other Freudian or other even psychological readings of it that have to do with uh, that fear of the return to the mother, that which is represented by the earth and the return to the womb. But I think that there's something really interesting here. You know, if there it is the mother, you know, there's the miller's wife, she's the mom. But 
especially with Theon's dream, having this vagina dentata appear and and where his storyline goes. Because, again, Theon's having some interesting dreams in this chapter. This isn't even, like, the last one. This isn't the only one. And, again, the vagina dentata comes with that threat of castration. And, as we all know, this is a big thing that happens in Theon's storyline, where he has a bunch of body parts cut off, including, especially, his penis. Yeah. Little on the nose. Right? Or on the... Anyways. So... It's yeah, it's absolutely pretending it. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Wax returns from the wa- from making water and Theon is like, "I'm going to take my goddamn time because Asha sure did." He's about to wear finery to see Asha when he remembers she values blades, his own sweet suckling babe. He dons and he dons his own crown, a band of cold iron slim as a finger. Set with heavy chunks of black diamond and nuggets of gold. It was misshapen and ugly, but there was no help for that. Micken lay buried in the lickyard, and the new smith was available of little more than nails and horseshoes. A false crown for a false prince. Truly. Oh, I'm gonna uh, take it. Kind of sounds like a cool crown. Ew. <laughs> sounds interesting. I don't know about all that. I don't know. Sounds sculptural. Theon exits, and he's joined by guards. Because turns out now all of Winterfell wants him dead. Would you believe that that was the result <laughs> of his choice? Who would guess? Upon returning back uh, from this hunt, and after everything that happens, which we're going to find out in like a second, uh, Gelmar died from an accident. And then Agar and Gynor, obviously these crimes had to go and be punished. And Theon's like, you know, Farland's as good a suspect as any and proclaims him guilty. Theon sat in judgment, called him guilty, and condemned him to death. Even that went sour. As he knelt to the block, the kennelmaster said, My lord Eddard always did his own killings. Theon had to take the axe himself, or look like a weakling. His hands were sweating. His palms were sweaty. <laughs> Mom's spaghetti. So the shaft twisted in his grip as he swung, and the first blow landed between Farland's shoulders. I'm sorry, Farland did not deserve that disrespect, but I did it anyway. I could not resist. It took three more cuts to hack through all that bone and muscle and sever the head from the body, and afterward he was sick, remembering all the times they'd sat over a cup of mead, talking of hounds and hunting. I had no choice, he wanted to scream at the corpse. The Iron Board can't keep secrets. They had to die, and someone had to take the blame for it. He only wished he had killed him cleaner. Ned Stark had never needed more than a single blow to take a man's head. Yeah, so he's, like, saying Farland's taking the fall so that the Northerners will hate him and see Theon as good, which is kind of fucked, right? And he killed the Kettlemaster, and then he ends up cursed with lying with the dogs. He does. I mean... This is very, like, Cursed Prince... For sure. Oh, absolutely. He's building his own bed in all of this. Mm-hmm. Like, Theon just keeps thinking that he has no choice. Like, he says it here, I-, I had no choice. Well, he doesn't say it. He's screaming it inside. He keeps thinking throughout, like, these chapters, I had to do... I had to do X thing. That person made me do Y thing. I was forced to do it. And, like, that's how you can see that Theon's a paralarvae. He's very immature. He's not a leader. He has no sense of responsibility. Because, of course, he has a choice. Like, this isn't Brienne's no chance and no choice. I mean, Brienne kind of did have a choice, but she's the kind of person who sees that lack of choice in a different way than Theon, right? Because, like, choices have consequences. And Theon just liked 
the other consequences of not doing these things less, and he chose cruelty because he would rather be seen as cruel and strong than weak. Just like how Quentin would rather die as a quote-unquote hero and, you know, I guess be dead than go home uh, empty-handed and disappointing the father that he never grew up with, just like Theon. After finally, so the, the killings stop, and Black Lauren says, hey, maybe you should, you know, take off for a little bit, right? Like, leave, get out of here. You can't trust anyone here anymore. Nobody likes you. Yeah, as Jeff says, get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> I still don't, I don't know what that means. I, okay. You just get out of the way of things. Sure. Theon is insistent that he is the Prince of Winterfell, and so he blames Asha for taking too long that she wants his seat. Theon is astounded by how few men she came with. Asha came with just 20 good men. We gotta get you out of here. We gotta just send out. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I had no choice, Chloe. They made me do it. Also, it's like, nobody wants this seat, right? Like, Theon, no one's coming to take it from you for themselves. The only people coming to take it are coming to take it for Starks. Like, let the Starks live in their ancestral home. Nobody wants this place. Like, leave it be. Yeah, literally, if he had just, like, left and was like, oh, this was a bad idea, I think everyone would have been like, that Theon Greyjoy. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. They would have been like, what an asshole. But, like, I don't know if anything would have really... They always said that anyways, I mean. (sighs) That's true. They were just like, turns out we were right, everyone. He's still an asshole. Yep. After some barbs between the two siblings about envy, Asha asks Theon, which head upon Winterfell, which head on a spike gave you the bigger fight? Was it the cripple or the babe? Ah, got him. Because turns out these are the heads of children. Now you're getting an idea who these heads are. Uh, Because we're going to read... I really want to read this passage aloud because I find it... Sad. Heartbreaking. Be sad. I'm... I... Sad. We're here, we, we've gone through a lot of emotions now, and it's time for us to get sad again, as we do here. can't believe he killed the Starks. Oh my god. <laughs> Shut up, Chloe. <laughs> I'm so upset. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> okay. I deserve that. Theon could, Theon could feel the blood rushing to his face. He took no joy from those heads, no more than he had in displaying the headless bodies of the children before the castle. Old Nan stood with her soft, toothless mouth opening and closing soundlessly, and Farland threw himself at Theon, snarling like one of his hounds. Erzin and Cadwell had to beat him senseless with the butts of their spears. How did I come to this? He remembered thinking as he stood over the fly-speckled bodies. Only Maester Lewin had the stomach to come near. Stone-faced, the small gray man had begged leave to sew the boys' heads back onto their shoulders so they might be laid in the crypts below where the other Stark dead. Mm. Why would you read that? It's just, I... This is one of those lines that gets me in those books. Like, that scene of Old Nan. It just breaks my heart. Just, Just the image of Old Nan. Like, we love her, right? And just the image of it doesn't matter how like, annoying she so was. Speechless. She was old Nan. She, yeah, she was old Nan. She cared for them. They grew up with her, and she's just the 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 idea that 
she loved these boys. She's taking care of generations of them. Exactly. She loves this family and she's just there, like, staring at these poor little babes that she cared for and she's just so sad. She's just opening her mouth, unable to say anything. They couldn't protect them. Yeah, she can't say anything about it. That's how hurt she is. And Maester Lewin just trying to, like, hold everything together here. Sad dad. Sad for all these boys that he's raised and helped birth and... At least he gets, you know, at least he gets to know that they, they live. Yeah. That's the one thing. You know, he gets a, he doesn't get a happy ending, but he gets closure. Theon refuses to let the bodies rest in the crypts with the Starks. The bodies are burned beyond recognition anyway, not that they be recognized, but that's, I think that's for a reason, because he knows that they aren't them, obviously, Bill the Miller's boys. Yeah, at least Theon has this measure of respect, I think, for them. Uh, he's too... It's that or it's fear. Could be both. Could be both. It reminds me a lot of how Tyrion's like, let them think I'm the villain, you know? Like, fine, I'll be the villain. Yeah. I'll play the villain. Similar to that in these scenes that Theon's at the point of, you know, no return here. He's like, fine, I'm the villain. Yeah, exactly. But also, there's a... I'm I'm also thinking of the, the mother in Rapunzel now. But... um. <laughs> Entangled, entangled. Um, it also ties back to that larger story, this idea of bodies being burned beyond recognition and someone popping back in the story. Like, here we know, like, Bran and Rickon survive. And, you know, the identity of Aegon and his veracity. Oh. Can you hear that? Yeah, they're coming for Theon Greyjoy. <laughs> they're coming for Theon Greyjoy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the veracity of, like, who he is is up in the air, but... People were picking up on that early on, like even after just book one, maybe because they had read part of book two. But I think as early as even before book two was out, people were asking, hey, is that going to come into play with Aegon's face being smashed beyond recognition? This is a thing. Yeah. And it's interesting to think like bodies being burnt, too, because that's such a stem for so much Mm. tinfoil in the community of like Rhaegar being alive or, you know, like crap like that. So interesting. Uh, though Rhaegar's body was or, well, he was burned, burned after. Yeah, that's true. George, yeah. I don't know. I had a, re- a better point, but the... oh, were you thinking Quentin? Yes, and then still being alive. The sirens threw me off, but I was thinking about. Oh Quentin. yeah. So Theon retorts at Asha that the boys brought their fate upon themselves, and Asha says, "As do we all, little brother." <sighs> Asha is the audience is Asha in this chapter. Asha is so wise. She is. I feel you, girl. I'm wise, too. She is. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Are you arguing with me? No, I'm not. I just love that you said that. Thanks. Uh, we're just both here, like, laughing, playing with our hair. <laughs> Asha turns out this brought Theon only ten men. Because obviously she needs the other ten to get her back. And Theon's like, let's go talk somewhere privately. I regret coming to this fucking hall. <laughs> Because I'm feeling guilty and guilty and guilty. I'm feeling guilty and everyone's like looking at me. It's a lot. In Ned Stark's solar, Theon admits Dagmar lost Torren Square. And Ash is like, yes, what did you expect? Roderick had the upper hand. He knows the land. And on land, they can't really stand a mounted charge. But at least Dagmar is alive still, she reveals. But... That pisses Theon off. He realizes she knows more than he does about this and just gets more and more mad. You mad, you mad. The North is rising against Theon to no one's surprise. 
Roderick is coming back. He's uh, also coming with Leobald Tallhart, whom you may remember as Ben Fred's uncle from last episode, and who used to hold towards Square. But also Lord Manderley and the Umbers are trying to come, too. That's the thing is, like, Ironborn, their reavings are always, and their, like, raidings and reavings and trying to conquer is never focused enough to really make a huge impact, especially on a land so vast as the North, I feel like. Like, you could yeah. take one place, but, I mean, they'll just flee to another keep and they'll come at you, you know, harder and stronger. Because what is dead, they never die. Yeah, it's fascinating because you actually have a slight chance, you know, with the Greyjoys when you play the Game of Thrones board Game of Thrones. Because you start out with, like, the little cardboard sword piece. But turns out this is not how it works. Well, you can do that CK2, too. When I play CK2, it's harder Mm. to play as the Ironborn. Oh, I'm saying it's not in the Game of Thrones board Game of Thrones. That's weird. Because you have that that one uh, attack priority thing, or I forgot what the exact mechanic behind it is, but yeah. Oh, well, they apparently have it at Ice and Firecon, would you believe? Oh, well, we'll play at the Sea at Ice and Firecon together. Perhaps we shall. Theon is freaking out. He's like, how can Asha only spare me ten men? How am I going to hold all this with only ten more men? And Asha's like... Should have thought of that earlier, ding dong. <laughs> I like how she's bad, Janet. Yeah, she's like, if you couldn't hold them with however much you had. Oh my god. Yeah, literally though, like, all of them told him this would not work. His dad, Asha, he did this all on his own because he wanted to bring a prize home to daddy and he should have just, like, sat there and ate his cold green beans, you know? Yeah, he should have showed some initiative, heated the fucking stove and heated up his green beans if he was, you know... That's that's the good, hard-working way of doing it. Yeah, the old way. <laughs> the old way. <laughs> Asha, yeah, Asha's like, <laughs> the smart thing that you should have done was to do it the way the Ironborn do it and not try and hold this castle. That's some fucking landed shit. She's like, you should have taken the boys as hostages after raising this castle. Just leave it. And we put this in exchange here because I thought it was amazing. Your prize will be the doom of you. Krakens rise from the sea, Theon, or did you forget that during your years among the wolves? Our strength is in our long ships. My wooden pisspot sits close enough to the sea for supplies and fresh men to reach me whenever they are needful. But Winterfell is hundreds of leagues inland, ringed by woods, hills, and hostile holdfasts and castles. And every man in a thousand leagues is your enemy now. Make no mistake. You made certain of that when you mounted those heads on your gatehouse. Asha shook her head. How could you be such a bloody fool? Children. They defied me, he shouted in her face, and it was blood for blood besides two sons of Eddard Stark to pay for Roderick and Marin. The words tumbled out heedlessly, but Theon knew at once that his father would approve. I've laid my brother's ghosts to rest. Our brothers, Asha reminded him with a half-smile that suggested she took his talk of vengeance well-salted. Did you bring their ghosts from Pike, brother? And here I thought they haunted only father. When has a maid ever understood a man's need for revenge? Even if his father did not appreciate the gift of Winterfell, he must approve of Theon avenging his brothers. That's a reach. Asha snorted back a laugh. (laughs) This Sir Roderick may well feel the same manly need. Did you think of that? You are the blood of my blood, Theon, whatever else you may be. For the sake of the mother who bore us both, return to Deepwood Mott with me. Put Winterfell to the torch and fall back while you still can. No, Theon adjusted his crown. 
I took this castle and I mean to hold it. You did this. What a good dialogue, though. Oh, God. It's a great dialogue. I was like, I could just take some parts out of it, or we could just put the whole thing in here. No, we're doing it live. Kinda. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. There's so much in here. Like, the whole thing about about, uh, laying the ghosts of his brothers to rest, and how how, uh, Balon's still holding on to that. That's such a Doran thing for for, uh, Balon to still be holding on to that. But also, I don't know, the way that he just, like, grabs onto that obviously that's not why theon's doing it but the idea that the words tumbled out heedlessly and he just felt that they were right that reminds me of some of the language from sansa's lies in her chapters when she's like when she finds the right one and she's like i was just gonna say yeah like the tear is good yes the tear is good yes that's what i was thinking very hardcore i was thinking about how when she lies and she's like yes a tear is good like they'll they'll like a tear and he thinks, like, mm-hmm. yes, father would like that. Like, trying to cover his own ass from everything he just did, too. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's interesting also that Theon's all like, when has a maid ever understood a man's need for revenge? Because we see it throughout A Song of Ice and Fire. Arya is someone who absolutely craves revenge. Yeah, Cersei. Cersei. We see it a lot throughout the storyline. Ariad. Liza. Exactly. So uh, many, many times, Theon, in fact, would you believe women crave revenge the same as men do? It's just that Asha is the only one here who's like holding everything fucking together. Yeah, and it's also a great nod when he's like a maid, because obviously Asha's not a maid. She's made it very clear that she is not a maid. She has said it many times. And that's true. He's out here like a maid. So he's also being kind of patronizing to her about her gender in this moment, mm-hmm. obviously, because it's the only thing he has to lash out with. Yeah, that's true. It's the only thing that he saw about her when he first Woman. met her again. Yeah. And so as Asha leaves, she tells him of his folly and insults his crown. It's an ugly crown. You're wrong. She just loves that. Like, that's how she's, she's like, your crown's ugly too. What <laughs> a mic drop Sibling moment. Sibling as fuck again. <laughs> yes. He regrets not joining her when he watches her leave and Reek sidles up beside him. He's uneasy with Reek still being alive and knowing so much, like we said earlier. It's just honestly fascinating to me how every time Theon comes across an inconvenience, he's just like, oh, I should have killed them earlier. Yeah, that's just like what you do, you know? It's it's one of those like, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Reek plants the seed in Theon that what Asha did wasn't right and that Theon will need more men. And so he says, give me some coin and a horse. I'll come back with a hundred, two hundred more men. And he was, of course, born in the north and he knows many people. Oh, why would he ever know such a thing? Maybe because he's Ramsay Snow. Maybe. Theon agrees to this and he gives Reek Pala. Which is so fucked up. Well, if he returns with everything, which I guess by the time Reek comes back as Ramsay, he doesn't need anyone to give him shit, but like, Pala. Right, like you're just gonna give a woman- again, beyond giving a woman away who's not his to give, first off. Like, lords can make matches and everything, but this isn't, like, you don't own her. There's that, but also Pala's the one who was- Mm-hmm. raped by those two men when they came to sack Winterfell yeah. like he's just like has she not suffered enough like how why is he not protecting 
his people. His people. Exactly. That's what a lord does. That's the feudal contract. And Theon has broken it constantly throughout this. Like, no wonder they don't see you as their lord. You have done nothing to protect them. That's your one- you had one job. And all you've done is, like, fuck it up. So, Reek leaves with a bunch of stark silver, and Theon is like, I'm never gonna see Reek again, am I? And honestly, that would have been better for him. This is literally the worst. I'm so anxious right now. I'm, like, tapping my foot as we record this episode. I want you to know, because I'm yeah. just like, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm never gonna see him again. It's, you better fucking hope so. <laughs> Theon has a crazy dream that night. He dreams he's at the feast held for Robert's visit, and then it all goes awry, and he was feasting with the dead, and I love this scene. You know why I love this scene. There's a lot of reasons to love it. We'll get there. King Robert sat with his guts spilling out on the table from the great gash in his belly, and Lord Edward was headless beside him. Corpses- do you think that Edward's- never mind. I was gonna ask if he was, like, headless Nick. I can edit this out. Oh my god. Corpses lined the benches below, grey-brown flesh sloughing off their bones as they raised their cups to toast, worms crawling in and out of the holes that were their eyes. He knew them, every one, Jory Cassell and Fat Tom, Porther and Kane and Hullen, the master of horse, and all the others who had ridden south to King's Landing never to return. Micken and Chael sat together, one dripping blood and the other water, Benfred Tollert and his wild hairs filled most of a table. The miller's wife was there as well, and Farlin, even the wildling Theon had killed in the Wolfswood the day he had saved Bran's life. But there were others with faces he had never known in life, faces he had seen only in stone. The slim, sad girl who wore a crown of pale blue roses and a white gown, spattered with gore, could only be Lyanna. Her brother, Brandon, stood beside her, and their father, Lord Rickard, just behind. Along the walls, figures half Figures half-seen moved through the shadows, pale shades with long, grim faces. The sight of them sent fear shivering through Theon, sharp as a knife. Our knives are sharp. And then the tall doors opened with a crash, and a freezing gale blew down the hall, and Rob came walking out of the night. Greywind stalked beside, eyes burning, and man and wolf alike bled from half a hundred savage wounds. Whoa! There's, this is a heavy-ass scene. What's up with Theon's dreams? I And I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, like, Weirwood style. Maybe he's just getting all this, like, crazy... It's almost like he took Shade of the Evening. It's, like, metaphorical dreams that are basically mm-hmm. foreshadowing what's all about to happen, just like what we see with Danny's visions. I'm also reminded of Cersei's Walk of Shame from this dream, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all the guilt over the people they hurt. And, of course, Lyanna, I sad. Yes. It's so interesting that she appears there and all these Starks. And, like, yeah, like, there's something magical going on here because, I mean, Theon does, Theon does have blood of the first men, the Ironborn do, and, like, there's so much foreshadowing of different things in in Theon's storyline, like, this doesn't happen for Theon necessarily, but this is, of course, a foreshadowing of Rob and Greywind dying in book two when it happens in book three. And it's not just guilt that is the reason that Rob and Greywind are showing up here. Like the way that we see them come in with the half a hundred savage wounds, like it's it's like that's them. They're gonna die, but also 
the way that this chapter is structured, it should serve as a way to wag the finger at us. Like, hey, have you noticed amongst all of these Starks who isn't here? The alive ones. Bran and Rickon. Yes. The ones those, that are those alive. Those kids. Oh, this is our Maester Lewin moment, isn't it? Hmm. Uh, I guess not yet, but almost. Almost. He wakes, screaming that it was nothing, as Lewin pours him some wine. But Theon knows better than to drink it, as Lewin does not love him. He thinks Lewin wants him dead, as Asha does. And again, I get, like, Aryan vibes this time. Because I don't think that Asha wants Theon dead. She's like, oh my god. She wants Theon smart, okay? And she definitely wants Pike and all that comes with it, in terms of being the head of House Greyjoy and the Iron Islands. But, like, in this moment, Theon's just fearing that someone who should be after him in the line of succession is stealing his place knowing that his father would put their sibling ahead of him just as Arianne thought that Doran meant to do with Quentin. Quentin's a stranger coming home to her world, right? And she as a woman did work her ass off to have, you know, that whole world in the first place and have all these small folk know her. It's very much like Arianne and Quentin. And then uh, after all this, Ugh. I guess like what? I don't want it. I don't want any uh, of this. Theon rapes Kyra. We're not going to go into the details yeah. of it, but what the fuck? Nope. Theon. Nope. Definitely, no. like, George made sure to bottom hit him at the very, like, the end of the barrel. Like, just put him down there. Just here he is at the bottom of the well of garbage. Yeah. This is what Theon thinks being a lord is. In the morning, Theon goes to the walls to look at the heads that are on the spikes. And he thinks that this place belongs to the Starks, not a Greyjoy of Pike. I could see it. I don't know. And so we learned that it was not Bran and Rickon, but the Miller's boys, that were flayed and tarred. And he thinks that believing that they were anything else is foolish, because all the people of Winterfell just saw what they were told to see. It's a poignant way to end this chapter, considering what's on the horizon for Theon in Dance. People seeing what they're told to see, believing that someone is who they're told, because Theon, of course, later becomes, later comes to believe that he's Reek because he's told to be Reek constantly, and so that's what the world ends up seeing as well. It's just such a good build up to the end. Like it's all next chapter, it all comes crashing down. Oh, absolutely! You're just spinning like it's like water in your ears. You know, it's a, uh, it's all over next chapter it's nuts I, I i can't believe that after next episode we transition right into a dance with dragons yeah it's a serious it's a very serious transition the it's gonna be such a tonal shift like we're gonna it's, it's gonna be such whiplash next episode is gonna be great we're gonna have on amanda the disputed lands crow food's daughter Love her. Really exciting to get her on here with us and to talk about Theon 6 and Clash of Kings and the outro of Theon in a Clash of Kings. What leads up to a dance with dragons? Truly. But until then, you can get a load of us on social media. Follow us at Girls Gone Canon on Twitter. Shoot us an email if you so desire at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to us on whichever podcast network you utilize that we are on. Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, you name it. And don't forget Podbean. And of course, if you feel so inclined, you can subscribe to our Patreon for a dollar. You get 
our show notes. For $5 and above, you get our special episodes. If you miss us talking about Sansa Stark, we have one last Sansa episode out there. We're going to have an episode about the dance, uh, wrapping up the dance from Fire and Blood this month of February. And of course, at the very end of Theon's storyline, we're going to have the Theon Wins chapter. Yes, love doing these Winds of Winter chapters. Uh, Not trying to push it, but being a patron's pretty fun right now. And I think I heard we might have a little, uh, couple little Easter eggs laying out on Patreon for future POVs and different things coming up soon for different tiers. So definitely check it out. And of course, as always, you can find me, Chloe, on the internet as at Lizen Arbor on Tumblr, Twitter, and of course, LizenArborGold.com. And you can find me, Eliana, as Glass Table Girl on the Song of Ice and Fire subreddit or Maester Monthly. Have a good one, guys. Goodbye.